You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe Podcast with Collective 54, a podcast for leaders of thriving boutique professional services firms. For those that might not be familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community dedicated to the specific and unique needs of leaders of boutique professional services firms. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder and I'm going to be your host today. On this episode, we're going to talk about productizing a service and how by doing so, you can accelerate your growth rate and accelerate the pace of scale. And we have a great role model with us who is someone who just did this. His name is Nish Parikh. And Nish, welcome to the show. And would you please introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. Thanks, Greg. Nish Parikh, I'm a co-founder and CEO of Rangam Consultants. Um, we are a workforce solution company with the expertise um, in the DEI space where we are helping companies build scale up and manage their uh, disability hiring programs and neurodiversity programs. Okay, very good. So today we're going to talk about how you just productized the service and you created this thing called Talent Arbor. And uh, let's start with just briefly, what is it, please? So Talent Arbor is a tech-enabled workforce solution for companies who is interested in in bringing in holistic talent, talent with all abilities. And uh, this platform is helping companies identify the jobs for this type uh, and and job in different roles to manage the complete uh, end-to-end program when it comes to hiring people with a disability or people a neurodiverse talent. Okay. Now, you ran your company for many years successfully without this product or a product, I might say. So why now? Why did you decide to productize your service now? Um, what we have experienced, there are two, two components or there are two needs we saw about two years ago. One is managing our services when we are serving our customers with neurotypical candidates and neurodiverse candidate. Uh, we were managing in two different platforms, two different applications, two different processes. So I saw that as a first need and we said, how do we manage this, the back end of our services, utilizing a product, one platform, And then our customers started asking if they can do certain things, which was part of our platform. And that's when this whole idea of productization started. And then um, in recent, during COVID time, we saw another opportunity where self-service model in this particular space is becoming more and more you know, uh, adoptable or, uh, or uh, you know, successful. So that's another reason we said, how do we take what we have built and build a cookie cutter kind of a model where we can replicate this and offer these services 
uh, as a cost-effective solution to our customers. Fantastic. So for listeners out there, this is a very typical journey towards productization. It starts with your performing a service for a client. You want to do it more efficiently. So you tech automate your service deliver- deliverable, delivery, excuse me, tech automate your service delivery. And that's a tool that you use internally to perform the work. And that alone can significantly improve scalability and quite frankly, profitability. Then very often, you then make that platform after it's built available to clients and they start using it either in exactly the same way or slightly different ways and then it opens up new revenue streams. In this case, the self-service revenue stream. And then that is almost another multiplier of scalability. So this is why it's, it's such an effective way to scale a professional services firm whenever you can tech automate. Now, a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are going to say, yeah, I get it, but I don't know how to do this. So I'm assuming at one point in your journey, you didn't know how to do it. So how did you get started and, and how did you pull it off? Yeah, so we started, we we broke this whole process of customer, uh, productization into two parts. One is um, our team-facing functionality. How do we first build that base so that we can we can serve our customers in a cost-effective way. So once we solve that problem, then the real process of productization started. So in that process, what we um, consider, we, we created a one-year roadmap, and um, our first launching pad was something where customers were asking us for this particular type of activity every single day when they start the program. And so we identify those couple of activities and we we created the module for that. Hmm. And now we have started sharing and offering these services as an add-on to our existing services. Hmm. So we have taken this multi-phased approach. So as we are building, we are going to go to the market and enhancing our existing services with our existing customers but with the goal to offer these services as a brand new services to new customer once the complete platform is ready. Okay. Now, productizing the service is expensive and it's risky. So therefore, especially if you haven't done it before, it's uh, it takes courage to do that. So how did you uh, muster up the courage to go down this path? So in my entrepreneurial life, I have I have been pretty unsuccessful a couple of times in product. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the courage was always there, there, and no matter what, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to take it. But the difference between all my earlier ventures where I have failed, I went a little bit out of the scope, out of my core mm. business. So my first product was e-commerce product, which is completely different than staffing. Then my second product was on the education side, special education, which was kind of related to staffing and employment. But the benefit with this particular product, I see that what we are selling to our customers, our core customers, 60 customers, they are looking for this solution. So. Mm this particular fit is, or this particular productization um, 
project is as compared to my previous. So that's that's how I see it, that there yeah. is a higher possibility of success. Just a great reminder, you know, stick to your knitting, you know, stick inside your circle of competence. Yeah. You know, and if your customers are asking you for something, listen to them, build them what they want, and they'll probably buy it. So, you know, it's just, just great advice. You know, I think some of our members don't understand the term neurodiversity, which I know is how you're building your firm and it's your passion and your mission. Would you mind explaining what that means? Um, you know, we all have a way to do things. This is a very simple term. This is how um, I have learned and experienced. Neurodiversity is when we bring in the workforce who has a built-in ability to think out of box. We are all influenced by so many um, uh, things, but neurodiverse is like considered uh, individuals on the autism spectrum um, or uh, ADHD. ADHD is also, and then there are a lot of other mental, I would not call disorders, but uh, you know we call mental conditions where these individuals, they think differently. They see the world differently. And uh, that's the beauty of neurodiversity. Okay. And you're helping companies place neurodiverse people into jobs in their companies. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, that's right. Placing is only one piece because okay. this is where a lot of people, they, because hiring people with disability or autism or neurodiverse is not new. Sustaining, that's what I always say. We mm help companies sustain this talent and and so that they are successful. That's what we really do. Okay. And th this talent arbor system, along with your other services, is is uh, managing the life cycle of that employee. So it's not just placing them, but making sure they're successful, you know, throughout their career. That's right. That's right. It starts with identifying the right job, okay. uh, using AI and machine learning to uh, setting up those trainings, uh, capturing those uh, checkpoints, onboarding the candidates, and then most importantly, sustaining them in one connected, as a one connected community. Okay, very good. So that was helpful to understand the context of our story of productization today. Just a couple more questions for you. Um, the other obstacle that founders run into is they say, yes, I understand I need to do this, but I'm already too busy. And productization is a big project. I don't have time for this. And when I look internal to my team, you know, maybe everybody else is just as busy as me, or maybe, you know, if there is extra capacity, you know, they're not skilled in, you know, turning a service into a product. So how did you find the time to do this? So in our case, we were we were fortunate that one part of the team was already serving our internal. The so tech team was already working okay. on, on building this innovative thing, which was helping us compete with other competitors. So that was already there. Um, and that development expertise was there. So I would say we were fortunate to have that one core competency built in in the organization okay and then uh, then second is just uh, second step is then allocate some additional resources um to take that product to the next level and one of the other very important thing which we we did was we kind of 
mandated or or kind of everyone contributed uh, their five to ten percent of their time in building this solution. So we created a, a dedicated innovation team and who who met on a weekly basis to all the subject matter experts within the organization. They come to this call, they look at what we are building, and they provided their feedback. So it was a collaborative effort, uh, and that's how we are kind of building this, uh, the next version of this platform. Okay. So I understand how you're investing kind of non-billable hours is 5 to 10% into the building of the product. I'm also assuming that you were probably taking profits generated from the service business and funneling that into this productization. Is that correct? Absolutely, yes. So we are using our free cash flow and we are reinvesting into additional resources to take the product to, yeah, the next level. So were you able to fund the the entire development effort from the free cash flow from the service business? Yes, that's what we have done so far, but we are out in the market uh, uh, looking for external. Uh, <laughs> it's not enough so to expedite because time is, as you know, right? yeah. it's a thing, and we want to go to the market as quick as possible. So yeah. we are in. Well, good luck with that. I know it's not a friendly funding fundraising environment at the moment, but hopefully things will get better here. So listeners, this is an important thing. So, you know, he, he had a choice to make, you know, the, service business was thrown off free cash flow and he could either stick in his bank account and take some trips and buy some cars and things like that. Or, uh, he could reinvest it back into the business to try to, you know, accelerate scale and growth. And that, and that's what he did. And you're able to do this, um, at least a version one of it by using your existing free cash flow. And there's lots of advantages topic for another day to do that. My point in, in saying this is that it's not impossible. It's very doable. It's not something like you don't have to go raise $100 million to go do this. I mean, you're not a software company that needs venture capital money. You're trying to tech automate, which is a different scope altogether. So the money and the time is there, and I want you to uh, encourage you to try to make it happen. All right. Well, listen, uh, we're at our time window here, but uh, I want to, um, for all the members, on behalf of all the members, I wanted to thank you for being with us today. and. Tell us a little bit about your story. It's a great tangible example of how a service company has productized in the journey that you went on. And I wish you the best of luck with Talent Arbor. Thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. Okay, a couple of uh, call to actions for the group. So if you're a member and you're listening to this, be sure to attend the Friday Q&A session that we'll have with Nish to talk more about this. Uh, That's an hour-long session. You'll be able to ask questions directly of him, and that'll be a wonderful learning opportunity. Also, if you're uh, participating in the new e-learning products that we've come out with uh, that support the two books, The Boutique and The Founder Bottleneck, within The Boutique Companion course is a couple of tools I might direct your attention to. So the first one is a vision template. So clearly, Nish had a vision for what he wanted to do. So you need a vision to figure out where you want to go with your productization efforts. And then you double click on that. And there's another template called the service roadmap template. So those two things might help you get your thoughts organized. And I wanted to direct you to those. If you're not a member and you're listening to this uh, podcast in the public domain, um, and you want to consider joining, go to collective54.com. That's obvious. Fill out a contact us form and somebody will get in contact with you. However, if you're not ready to join, but you want some more content, you can subscribe to Collective 54 Insights. 
And uh, you'll get three things. On Monday, you'll get a blog. On Wednesday, you'll get a podcast. And on Friday, you'll get a chart. And it's a good way to educate yourself further on these topics. And maybe that's a way to get started in the pathway towards membership. Okay, so uh, thanks for listening. This was a great episode. And uh, until next time, I wish you the best of luck as you try to grow, scale, and exit your service firm. 